This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Um, you know, sometimes we don't always work on Friday nights. Um, came home and with preteen daughters and a wife who's always running around town. Empty nest. Um, either let the bad habits and break open some beers. Well, there's beer anyway. Who are we kidding? Um, let's do a little work here. Uh, reached out. Um, we got somebody to talk to. So we're going to sit down, your local experts on the biggest stories, uh, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Joining us this evening, Jake Burns, Brown's Film Breakdown, obviously everything over the OBR as well. Um, it's been a while, so this will be a good one. Um, Jake, first things first, how's everything going? How's my little man? Hey, dude. Jeff, thanks for having me, dude. Everything is good. Everything's great. Everything is uh is is I can't complain. Little man's good. Twenty months old today, actually October fourth, and growing like a weed. Yeah, man, he's uh he's great. We can't we're we're very blessed, and uh, everything's good. OBR is great, kicking. Uh, people love what we're doing. Got some good stuff going over there, and um, it's a good time to be covering the Browns. As you know, we've been through the muck, but we are on the other side, and hopefully, we get a, a little Monday night primetime showing from these guys. And been through the muck, hopefully uh, to the mire, so to speak, to use the uh, tired old mm-hmm. phrases that we were mm-hmm. bestowed upon us. Um, to this point, look, um, and you know, and you know, um, obviously, you, Stephen Thomas, we talk a ton. You guys, oh my God, the, the lifelong Browns fans in you about last week. Oh, 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 Baltimore, here we go. And I was just oddly <laughs> like, wow, I, I think this is going to be all right. I, I really don't see any of this. And we, you knew it, I knew it, we all knew it. We knew this offense had teeth to it. We knew there was something to it. It was just going to be a question of when. And And Baker, the thing with him is, you don't have to ask him to do so much. What was successful was snap the ball, get the ball. Oh, there he is. Let's roll. And getting Baker hot early is a key to a lot of this. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot. You're right. It is about Baker. Obviously it's always going to be about Baker. I mean, as much as Nick Chubb's three touchdowns, end up grabbing headlines it's 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 baker and it's always going to be baker so i think that what's interesting to me is some of the little nuances they they sprinkled in i i went back and i obviously watched the game so many times throughout the week and it's like what's different well people talked about the personnel differences and that's fine i mean you want you want to have a couple tight ends in there and they have three tight ends who have nice you know diversifying skill sets it seems like they're comfortable with Farrell brown being that sort of hybrid U back, fullback, tight end, blocking guy, you know, kind of Orson Charles type, if you want to recall that. And then you got Ricky Seals Jones, who's not a proficient blocker, but can get out and catch the ball in space and, and run routes. And he's got a little bit of pickup to his to his game when he gets the football in space. And then I think Demetrius Harris can be kind of a hybrid of that. So they I think that what they wanted to do, and I'm pretty convinced about this, Jeff, is they said going into the year is like we have, you know, an ubiquitous amount of wide receiver talent and uh, we think we can sit in 11 personnel, have David uh, Njoku do you know, a little bit of different downfield and, and pass blocking, run blocking, different sorts of things. We're going to sit in 11 and we're going to beat people with our quarterback and our wide receiver. We're not even going to be fancy in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Well, it didn't pan out. It didn't pan out the way anybody hoped it did for multiple reasons. And then I think after – um, you know, after week three, Doug Maurice, who's up there, is a good friend of mine, who kind of said he pulled Freddie aside and 
said, what's going on, man? Do you, you know, how's this going to get rectified? And Freddie said, I'm, I'm just going to go back to what I know. And, 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 no sort of words like he didn't directly say that but essentially sounded like he's been having too many people bending his ear and said i'm going to get this back to what i know best and that's what they did they did a lot of uh multiple tight end looks and they did some you know heavy personnel type things too and then the thing that i uncovered jeff and i'll stop this ramble is that they they finally used motion in in, in a sense that was purposeful in um in their first three games, so the Titans they had twelve motions called on fifty pass attempts. Jets game nine motions called on thirty eight pass attempts. Rams week eleven eleven motions on forty two pass attempts. And then the first half on true drop back throws they had eleven motions on fifteen attempts. Second half five of ten because they didn't throw it much. But that in itself is sixteen on twenty five attempts, which is pretty impressive to me. They're saying. We're tired of Baker struggling, and this goes back to your original point. We're tired of Baker struggling with what his first read to his second read is. Let's help this kid figure out whether it's man or zone. Let's have purposeful across-the-field motion to give him a true sense of what the coverage is. And I think, Jeff, to your point, that really helped him unfold, get his eyes in the right places quickly, and then from there it's less thinking, more playing, and then you saw the result. Yeah, and this was, you know, part of it because they were literally, you know, everything was coming, the play was coming in late, they were getting the line of scrimmage late, and, you know, all you heard was, well, you know, everybody's disguising coverage. Well, if you get to the line of scrimmage with five seconds to go, guess what? You're going to be facing disguised coverage because the only way you can get a read on it is start moving some people around. And it's, Baker is is an extremely intelligent kid, but if they're just going to come out of the huddle, in a mono mono set where people aren't moving around, it doesn't matter if it's Baker Mayfield, it doesn't matter if it's Tom Brady. You can disguise coverage, so you have to adapt even quicker. And this is the thing with these younger quarterbacks is they played this fast-paced style their entire lives, and this is part of the reason. You get to the line, and sometimes a lot of this motion means nothing, but it's just to have the defense tip the hand to you. And it seems so foolish that they – kind of backburnered what was so successful last year towards the end of the season and essentially got Freddie this head coaching job. Um, look, you're not there yet. Look, the Jet game, yeah, sure. You could have said, you don't want to know what? We don't have to show anything. We'll just go out, wreck you, win the game by 20 points, mano y mano. But against anybody else, really, unless it's either the Dolphins um, who are on the schedule and maybe the Cardinals, you still got to – you still got to work at your play sheet. You still got to work at what you're calling. You've got to keep these guys on your toes. Look, seven, eight, and one was fantastic. The amount of talent that's in the building now, we all have a lot of faith in. But you've got to take mm-hmm. take each game as it comes and each opponent as it comes. And you can't just let them essentially, you know, sit on you. You need to dictate. And I think that's what they did a lot better job against Baltimore. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if you, you you mentioned Tom Brady, Jeff, it's like the rant, or sorry, the, uh, the the Patriots use motion more than anyone else in the league, man. It's like it's just I think as an offensive coordinator and someone like Freddie, who's 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 you know got a feel for being an offensive coordinator, but now he's like he put all of the things onto the kitchen table at one time. It's like you your mind probably gets away from what worked and why it worked. And I'm sure after the Rams game Sunday, he drove back to Berea. He sits down at the table with his guys and says, what the fuck are we doing and why is it not working? And they did what they needed to do. They came up with those fun little wrinkles. You can't you can't have a wrinkle every game. You're not going to be able to throw, you know, these inside handoffs or the pitch stuff that we love, the little 
you know, power option, pitch option thing. That it was just, I loved it. It's fun. It's great. Yep. And in the double reverse pass that they did, it's great. But they're not going to be able to do that every game. But it's okay to do those occasionally and to keep defenses guessing. And I think that that, to me, was the best part of it is, is it seemed like Baltimore was preparing for what Cleveland was, and they threw something completely different at them. And I hope the Browns are able to keep doing that. But against teams like San Francisco and against teams like, you know, maybe – I, hell, I don't know who I'm saying. Just kind of those middle. I don't consider San Francisco elite. They have some elite I'm teams on the schedule. You got to be able. You got to just be able to do what you're good at. And I think they got to feel for what they're good at. And if you listen to all of those guys' press conferences this week, whether it's Jarvis when he was able to bend the mic for a minute, or Odell today, who was just fantastic leadership man, is through the roof. He's a new guy in Cleveland. It's just so cool to see how he he's handling all of that. He just wants. It's to it's win. so cool to hear, man all the right things are said but yeah i think all of them and you talk to freddie or monk and talks they're saying all of the right things um which is we're confident we feel like we have identified who we are again and um you know i know the 49ers are pretty confident but i would i you know i, I, I it strikes a little bit of fear in me because if these guys really figure it out and they stop thinking and they're doing more playing the tackles are blocking pretty well I'm not sure Eric Cush's days aren't limited, but that's a different conversation for a different time. But they're blocking pretty well up front. The sky's the limit, and we might see these guys settle into that groove that we all really expected. And, and it's just like less is more, man. You got athletes. You're getting your wide receivers back, Higgins, Callaway. Less is more. Let these guys go win athletic matchups, and I think we'll see a lot of that Monday. And it's, you know, and it's the simple adage of if you have faith in the talent you have, you can't cover everyone. And that was probably the prime example of what Ricky Seals Jones did last week. Um, he came to Cleveland with a little bit of a receiving resume. And I tried to tell these guys, oh, well, you know, and everybody, oh, when a joke who's down, um, we'll, we'll trade for this guy. You look, he, you know, he's not dead. He's got a broken wrist. Um, so you're not going to see him till you know, around Thanksgiving. That's okay. Um, you actually made a really good move in picking up Ricky Seals Jones because Maybe what mm-hmm. you hoped you could get out of David Njoku, you can now ha- get a combo out of between Farrell Brown, which you know week four was definitely the the best of him. Hopefully you can see and he can keep trending that way. And you have Ricky Seals Jones, who was a five star athlete going to Texas A and M, and was just a really big dude. And they're like, well, dude, you're going to kind of have to go to that you know that receiving tight end spot, which he did well in Arizona. Why Arizona didn't keep him, I have no idea because they're desperate for talent. And you were able to work this now. And here's the other thing now is now you can you can do things where if Odell needs to take a playoff and it's, okay, well, it's Higgins, it's Callaway, it's Jarvis. Well, who do we cover? That's great. That, that only helps you in spades going further and allows you to create the mismatches. Um, Nick Chubb, it, it's, it's just too much fun, Jake, because <laughs> even, you know, even when it's a bad and the run play didn't work because the D had the right call going on, he'll get what he gets. And then there's those where you go 88 yards untouched and you just basically tell everybody, look, I will go all day. It doesn't matter if this game goes 60 minutes. It doesn't matter if this game goes 70 minutes. I take my first carry as hard as I will take my 31st carry. He is the Mm -hmm. ultimate guy you enjoy to cover. Yeah, I think you and I were pretty – I think we were driving and sitting passenger co-pilots of the Sony Michelle train back in a couple of years ago, and Pete won that battle, which hurts my heart to say. I still love Sony. He's having a good good run with New England, but but Nick Chubb is just 
he's just phenomenal. And um, he's come back to being the athlete at Georgia. He was pre knee injury and he looks confident and, and um, that he's the perfect yin to Baker's yang. You know what I mean? Just sort of that. Mm-hmm. And that video they put out this week was just so funny to watch. He's so quiet. He's so humble. He's so like, team he first. So but man. Put a mic on him. <laughs> I know, man. I think that that had to be the thought process. Like let's mic him up and then just see if he says 10 things. It was funny, but um. And it was cool getting to sort of see how he talks to to, to Hillier too, because those guys are close. Um, but no, I mean he's 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 unbelievable. He's he's he, the wide zone that they run. He is so efficient at finding. You talk about people talk about LeBron as as a basketball player who can who can see the floor two steps ahead of the floor. He can see the passing lane before the passing lane develops. They talk about Magic Johnson and those guys who can see things. They call it two-beat players, two beats ahead of what's going on. Nick Chubb is a two-beat running back, man. He is two steps ahead of uh, being able to see where lanes are going to develop, where hips are going to shift, where butts are going to turn, so that he makes that precise cut at the right time. And look, I don't like to do sort of the hyperbolic statements, and I'm not saying this now that I wouldn't have said it last week, but I'm just not sure there's a better zone running back. And especially I, I love Todd Gurley's a fine player. Some of those guys who run wide zone are fine. He is a ridiculously proficient wide zone runner. He was again, making people miss at the point of contact. And then when you give him a wrinkle, man, just a little bit of space and he gets to the second level and he can turn it up. I mean, I, I is there a faster running? I don't know, man. I I just he he's he's at least at the top, the upper echelon of guys in the open field who can really turn it to another level. And the Browns have him, and and you know, you it's easy. He's so he's so good, but he's so Kawhi Leonardish. I saw somebody make that yeah. comparison. It's so phenomenal comparison because of who they are and how they sound and what how they talk and all of that stuff. He's just sort of always going to lay under the radar and not grab the headlines necessarily, but he's going to have a big year, man, because he's really comfortable in that scheme. And I think Freddie and Monken will get more and more comfortable using him as often as they can possibly do it. And then, you know, you just got to get through three more games and then you get another really proficient zone runner too. So it, it can be a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and then you have David Njoku in that, in the waiting in the wings after that. I was talking with, I had a mm-hmm. former 49er defensive back Eric Davis on the other day and he said the weirdest thing about Nick Chubb is he doesn't talk and he's like that's the guys that always scared you because normally guys either talked from the first snap or they talked when it was going well or they talked when it wasn't going well and Nick never talks and he's like that those are the dudes he's like they make you a little nervous because you know are they slightly insane or are they just tough as freaking oak and that's kind of what Nick Chubb is. As great as an athlete as he is, as talented as he is, he is a I will go, I will go type of guy. Um, guys, my folks over at Zabo Apparel, you know, I talk about him all the time. Veteran-owned company. Um, we'll get the uh, tweet out later on Saturday, the overs and unders, to win yourself a T-shirt. Zabo Apparel Company in Vermilion. You guys know I think the world of them. Now, Jake, on the defensive side of the ball, Obviously, I think the it's hard to not say that this defensive line, to this point, it's probably done what we figured it was going to do. I think it's going to get better because they're still trying to rotate, which I'm fine with. I want to do that. And sometimes maybe the matchups aren't always the best ones. Like this week, I don't know if I necessarily against a sixth-round rookie, Miles Garrett needs to go you know, take on a guard. Um, make, you know, the left tackles day hell. And that may help keep mm-hmm. George Kittle in more 
then he's going to be out who is their best receiver. Um, but it, it's, it's been fun. It's been so great to now see some depth to this unit. And the fact that, you know, Miles Garrett can get a blow. Shelton Richardson can get a blow. Larry can get a blow. And you can get more guys involved. And the strangest thing of it all is, is Chad Thomas has found a way to actually at least get reps. <laughs> Last week wasn't so good. Mm-hmm. Two and three yeah. were good. Last week wasn't good. Yeah, yeah. At least he's, I guess he's at least playing. I mean, that's just, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Although I, I have a problem <laughs> with who they're not playing. As you know, we both agree on that. But nonetheless, it's hard to pick pick things at Steve Wilkes right now. But um, no, I, I mean, it, the biggest thing that the Browns have going for them is that the, the, the 49ers are going to have to either have to keep Kittle in more often or chip at least with Miles, or they're going to have to use Juice Check over on that side too. Um, uh, either way, those two guys are so good and they're so unique in skill sets that keeping those guys in, um, to, to help with, with, with whatever his name is, it's Shuey or something like that, school. that left school tackle school, school, <laughs> school. Yes. My bad. S K U L E. Right. Um, yeah. So there, I mean, that's the biggest thing is like the 49ers want to do all these fun things and they're, you know, Shanahan's a, a really fantastic offensive mind, but they're going to have to account for Miles Garrett. And if they don't, if they take the risk of saying we're not, Miles has to make them pay. Like there are certain games where you look at the schedule and you're like, Miles has to be the difference. Week one, I think he would tell you he wasn't the difference. There were some reasons. Nonetheless, week two, he was phenomenal. But this is a big game. They need a big yep. game performance. They need a strip sack. They need they need it, and he has to get there. Now, there are some things that are out of his control and he'll he'll be you know some things he'll get close to, but he's got to make an impact like he did against the Rams. He's got to make a play, and um, I think he'll be able to do it. But if they try to take him away, at the bare minimum, it takes one of their interior weapons, Kittle or Juice Check, out of the downfield passing game immediately, and that helps the Browns, who are still you know they're still a little beat up in the secondary. They're still lacking a little bit of depth, um, so that that obviously that helps as much as it can help, and that's a that's a big difference for me. You got to be able to get miles making an impact and um, if he's not going to make an impact on the stat sheet he's got to make an impact in changing how the 49ers approach it exactly um and this is stuff you know that obviously all the stuff with Odell today um you have these great players and some elite talent here they may not get theirs but if they get the attention which led to them not getting theirs that's what it's that's what it's about and that's why you put this much talent onto a roster um, I, I'm assuming Joe and Mr. Juszczyk, it's going to be an interesting battle because I think in talking with 49ers folk, it seems this is what's been going on to this point is this is why George Kittle's only averaging, I think it's you know, four receptions, I'm sorry, five receptions for 55 yards a game is because mm-hmm. they're not confident enough in the offensive line yet. And the thing with him is, and he even came into the league with a great reputation as a pass blocker, and that's kind of where they have to go with him right now. And then you get to that wide receiving core where there's some names, but nobody's really a proven guy. Yeah, and like like we said, they're going to have to try to figure it out on the fly because, in my opinion, Jimmy Garoppolo is not a great pressure thrower. He he chucks and ducks. Like some people yep. like it. I'm not a fan of it. I think he he's a chuck and duck guy where he he – he, he throws and then turns his body, and I think he makes some blind throws. So there are some interceptions to be had there. Obviously, the Steelers took advantage of those opportunities. But, um, yeah, I think the Browns are going to have to 
create a turnover or two. And uh, I think that it can happen through, like you said, uh, the, the, the couple times, or, or maybe, you know, maybe Shandy just pulls the plug on it and says, we need Kittle involved. The Browns don't cover tight ends as well as uh, some others in the league. And we just need to release him. And if that's the case, um, you know, you need, you need obviously miles to make an impact, but you got other guys too. Uh, you know, that's the beauty of this defensive line is that it's no longer miles and cross your fingers about Larry. It is like, you know, it's the other two. And, and last week, Olivier Vernon continued his pressure and turned into a sack. It's got to be those guys, man. Like right yep. now for, to, to carry the load, it's got to be them. And they certainly, certainly have an advantage. I think it's a bigger Browns defensive line over the San Francisco offensive line advantage than the opposite between San, and San Francisco has a fine defensive line. I think they're fine, but um, they, you know, they don't, they don't have the talent across the front four the Browns do at least not at this point. So that's a, that's a battle that the Browns have to win. And, and uh, San Francisco is a really, they're kind of a wreck at wide receiver. So the, the corners are in a good situation to have a really good night. And um, God, this is a game the Browns have to win. Like I talk to San Francisco people, they're super confident and they should be, they're three and up, yeah. but like, like we've talked about all week, man, it's, it's, it's not, there's not an impressive win yet on that resume. And now I get it. Like everybody's early in the year and you don't really know who's that good yet. That's fine. Um, but at the same time, you need to, you, the, the, you can tell the teams they played, you can tell. And that even that Steelers win was sort of a pulled it out of nowhere type of thing. So against Mason um, Rudolph. Yeah. 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 So this game is a good litmus test for where both teams are. The Browns think they found something. You go into Baltimore and win. I don't care the shape of Baltimore's defense. That's a win. Going into Baltimore is a good win. And um, the way that offense was playing for Baltimore, it's uh, I won't be I won't believe that's not a good win in any shape in any capacity. So, um, you know, San Francisco is looking at Seattle, who's 4-1. and one. They know they got to keep winning to keep pace, and the Rams will win plenty of football games too. But this game definitely, in my opinion, Jeff, means more to Cleveland. Cleveland knows they got to win this game to go to 3-2 and two so that the next two are sort of coin flip games, and you're okay if you come out of it 3-4. and four. You know, the back half of the schedule is what it is. It's got a lot of winnable football games. But they got to get this one so that Seattle's coin flip is uh is is meaningful then you go to new england and, and there you know you never know what goes on in foxborough so this game is important to cleveland it's more important to cleveland and i think that they will show up and i i really truly i know last week you you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast i wasn't very confident but i, I feel confident maybe that's that's a problem maybe i shouldn't feel confident. but i feel confident going into san francisco i i noted before the year that i thought san francisco was going to be a good football team i thought they were going to be better um, but I still don't think they're as good as Cleveland. So if things are even, Browns take care of the football, uh, I think it's a Cleveland win. The thing with San Francisco is is they don't really have, like, a long run with Jimmy Garoppolo. It was a few games after the trade. Then it was a few games last year. And none of these guys are really established with Jimmy Garoppolo yet. And it's it's understandable for the situation. And, look, Jimmy Garoppolo, who was drafted in 2014 – Nobody, nobody knows who he is. You have no idea what kind of quarterback he is. And I'm not saying this negatively or I'm bashing him. Um, we'll get to a final segment here in a second. But he doesn't have enough of a resume put together where anybody truly knows what he is. He's a big mystery with a big contract. But nobody truly knows what he is right now. And that's okay. We may all come back and find out that he's really, really great. But to this point, he's a really handsome guy who plays quarterback in San Francisco. 
Um, DoorDash, um, look, if you people who work a lot and you people who have multiple jobs and you're in a relationship and you're married and you have kids, you get home at the end of the day, the last thing you're worried about is 35 minutes to 40 minutes in the kitchen trying to make yourself a meal. So go ahead, download the DoorDash app, whether on Apple or Google. Um, your first order, $15 or more, get $5 off. Use the promo code locked on, all caps, no space, DoorDash. Make your life a little easier. Find some way to get yourself a little comfort in the crazy busyness of what is life. Jake, the revamped secondary over the last two weeks, which is weird to say revamped because essentially it is not revamped. Um, obviously, you know, Terrence Mitchell getting back to his spot, Earl, joke, joke, between me and Jake, um, uh, uh, TJ Carey, <laughs> and then Jermaine Whitehead. But this allows you the flexibility to say in everybody, when, are, when is Ward coming back? When are Rudy Williams coming back? What? It allows you the flexibility to give these young players who have probably never dealt with hamstring issues before the time they need, A, you don't want to force them back. If they're not even to the point where they're even sniffing a practice rep, you know it's at least minimum. For me, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably – it's definitely Seattle, if not by week New England is what their game plan is. But th- to this point, and even after that Rams showing, and look, they, you know, and we talked about the fact that they should have walked out of there with a win maybe because they left stuff on the field. This is why the Rams have given up, uh, what, 85 points in the last two weeks. But <laughs> this revamped secondary, these guys have looked really, really good. They're assignment-driven, and I think part of it this week is there's not too much that scares you, once again, from the wide receiver position. Similar to Baltimore, you know, Hollywood Brown scared you, but the game plan was right. Um, And Wilkes, again, he's just doing a fantastic job. Week in, week out. What have I got this week? All right, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, it's been good. Those are those were. Uh, I've had a lot of conversations about this. I think those were two good matchups for these veteran corners, who probably would not have been good matchups for the young guys, uh, especially being able to be, not being able, but being forced to make tackles on the perimeter, uh, like Greedy and Denzel would have been forced to make against the Rams, and especially playing against that zone read heavy Baltimore scheme. It was a good game to have two older, experienced, trusted corners in there. And then the beautiful thing is the diversity of what Eric Murray can bring as a slot corner or a safety or whatever they need. He's a nice Swiss Army knife, in my opinion. He's playing good football. Um, but you do want to get those young guys back. Denzel is a good football player. He's had a rocky start. I've been critical of him because he's deserved it. But he's a good football player, man. He was the best corner in the league as a rookie last year in terms of rookie output. And I think he's going to be fine. You said there's a luxury there. Greedy Williams is playing really good football. There's a luxury there that is we have two guys who we trust outside right now. And um, we're going to use those guys until these young guys get healthy. Probably looking at something after the bye week, in my opinion, is the smartest two weeks of full-on prep in for, for New England and not have to worry about rushing them back on a short week for uh, for Russell Wilson, who's just now. So I think it's probably wise to bring those guys back for the bye week. So, um, but yeah, I think they've done a fantastic job of just making it work. And they've, they've played three deep, three under. They fire zoned a lot. They're, they're playing deep. They're playing off. And that's okay, but they're reacting quick enough that you can't easy access throws like Greg Williams. They're playing deep, but they're not. They're well coached. Just 
they're doing a nice job of keeping everything in front of him. And nice field plays. They really tricked Goff a couple times. Some nice uh, deceptive, um, you know, zone flat and then sort of bumping off and peeling back. Lamar had to throw. It wasn't pretty. Seeing up man and zone pretty effectively. I just, and I, I didn't think I'd feel this year. He's come back. He can run. He can fly. You better run with him. I'm not over. Wide receivers beat you. But the fine, and it'll be got your top together when it comes things fun tools Thank <laughs> you. 